0: Hey there, everybody. Brad Geiger here again for Surviving Creativity at survivingcreativity.com, the first and only Patreon-exclusive podcast talking about creative professionals and the lives that we lead. You don't have to be a Patreon patron to listen. You can just go over to Surviving Creativity, click on Activities, and you can listen to all of our podcasts. This week, one of my favorite type of podcasts, Scott called me up out of nowhere and said, Brad, turn your microphone on. I've got something to talk about. And we were off to the races. We talk about a lot. And to make matters even better, we've got Steve Hamaker with us along for the ride. Steve is the brilliant colorist of Table Titans, and he also does a darn fine webcomic on his own called Plox Comics at P-L-O-X-comics.com. But now, surviving creativity. It's on the air you yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so this is a uh, surviving creativity supplemental to be dropped <laughs> in at a, at a at an interview. In a, Slott, in a
0: supplemental
1: to be, to be dropped in somewhere. So I'm here with uh, it's uh, it's about eight in the eight thirty in the morning my time, and I, I read an article. I thought I'd grab a little. I think we'll call this bit spontaneous conversation. <laughs> so what's going on? All right. Well, first, uh, Steve is here with us, is with us for color commentary. <laughs> Get it? Oh, ah. I'll color your thoughts. So, Brad, <laughs> you used to work for the Philadelphia Daily News, right? That is correct. Did you see that? Uh, did you know Bill Marimo?
0: Yes, I know. I don't know him directly. I know of him and. Uh, I know a few
1: very good stories. <laughs> He's being sued. Yeah. By uh your Pennsylvania Supreme Court Justice, Seamus McCaffrey. Seamus McCaffrey.
0: Now Seamus is an interesting character himself. He started a if I if I've got it right, I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check myself as we go. Uh, he started what was called the Eagles Court. So many Eagles fans were getting uh, uh, into trouble during Eagles games. They set up kind of like a night court situation in the basement of the Eagles stadium. And so people would get into trouble at the Eagles games in the studio, in the in the stands. They would take them downstairs, try them downstairs of the Eagles what? stadium, and then... Try them? Yeah. <laughs> It was an ad hoc court created to deal with unruly fans at the Philadelphia Eagles games. Was yeah, that was it. That was Seamus McCaffrey. Was that legal? Ah, uh, listen. This is Philadelphia.
1: <laughs> it what? Was, it was legal enough. Was it one of those he, things where uh, the Eagles fans are so drunk? It's like, all right, yes. and what? Where, where the penance is like? Uh, you got to stay after the game and do laps. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: well, I don't, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure some of them were carted off to jail if the, if the offense was bad enough. But most of it, I'm sure, was misdemeanors and stuff. And it was like getting a parking ticket, and they'd have to pay a fine, and off you went. But So wow.
1: the suit that's happening right now is that um, uh, Seamus McCaffrey uh-huh. and his wife yes. are suing uh, Philadelphia Inquirer editor Bill Marimo. Uh, for for conducting a smear campaign against him and his wife. Um, yeah. and, and I know where you're going with this. <laughs> a, a person named in the suit is uh, Singe Wilkinson, the political cartoonist for the Daily News. Yes. And Signe he's Wilkinson. being sued for his uh, political cartoons in the paper about a public figure. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Can't do that, can you?
1: How is that possible? It's not possible.
0: I mean, I, 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 I cannot think of a single int- uh, example where a cartoonist was successfully sued for, uh, uh, you know, for, for this, for this reason. In other words, this is what cartoonists do, uh, it, since time immemorial, this is what they do. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I've never known anyone to successfully get sued for it. The, uh. And and it's interesting, because I, I know the cartoon in question, and uh, it's a Signy cartoon that appeared, uh, I believe, in the Enquirer, and the top says, Pennsylvania Supreme Court Judge McCaffrey and employee, and then in parentheses, Mrs. McCaffrey, in his chambers. And it's got the judge and uh, a blonde, they're in bed. And the blonde is doing the blindfolded justice thing. But in her scales, there's two money bags. Mm-hmm. And uh, and under the bed is a book labeled Ethics. And there's a book labeled Philly Judges Numbers. And there's another book labeled Traffic Court Numbers.
2: The bed and is labeled bed.
0: Bed is labeled bed. They're, they're on two pillows labeled pillows. And there's a couple of high heel shoes labeled stiletto. And the judge is saying bring home any fees from your separate and perfectly legal business, hun?
1: This guy should hmm. be sued for making bad comics. <laughs> right. Yeah, Not for- missing,
2: yeah, they're missing the message here.
1: They're <laughs> burying the lead. Burying the lead, yeah. That's it.
0: Well, Signe is... A, I, 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 since I do know Signe uh, socially as well as professionally, I will say that she is a Pulitzer Prize winning political cartoonist. and And... and much I, I I don't know that I think this is her strongest work. I've seen her do some knock it out of the park kind of uh, cartoons, but uh, I'm very surprised that this one is 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 one of the comics uh, named in the suit. It, it it seems very tame to me.
1: Well, I I'm, I guess my question is this, and again, we're doing some armchair lawyering. So, Katie, stop the podcast and then jump ahead ten minutes. <laughs> But, obviously, um, political cartoonists are allowed to to do political commentary on uh, public figures. Mm -hmm. But, but obviously, there has to be some law in place to prevent a political cartoonist from defaming uh, uh, a public figure. So, a political cartoonist couldn't make a cartoon about Microsoft... Uh, Ex CEO Bill Gates and imply he's a pedophile. Right,
0: right. Yeah, yeah. there there are lines that you couldn't cross. I'm sure. So
1: he this this Supreme Court judge is assuming or claiming that he has crossed that line, and this is this is this is crossed into defamation. Mm-hmm. Now I do know that with defamation in the states, you. Oh. <laughs> I just keep picturing Katie's face like she's like, uh, watch it. I believe that with defamation, you have to prove damages. Uh, I would think
0: yes. I I mean, uh, okay, I'm going on the same set of shared knowledge that you and I both have. In other words, you couldn't. It would be it would be pointless to try to pursue a defamation case unless you were able to prove damages. Hmm. You couldn't. You couldn't just say you hurt my feelings. You've got to be able to say you hurt my business or my career.
1: Well, I just googled this, and according to Google, <laughs> if you are the victim of public libel or slander, you need the professional, experienced defamation attorneys of Felon Spalding. <laughs> I don't think this is helpful. Hold on a
0: second. While you're doing that, I found a little bit of backup. Uh, So do you you mind if I vamp for a little bit while you look up that information? Oh, please. Okay, while you're doing that, uh, here's a little background information on the uh, case in point, and it's from phillymag.com, which is a fairly reputable – in other words, it's not something that's just made up. I'm familiar with PhillyMag. Philadelphia Inquirer, Bill Maramow, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him later, by the way. Use the, uh, you watched The Wire, right? Uh, yeah. Okay.
1: I've so, never seen The Wire, but I'm going to pretend I have. Love that show. I got pulled
2: over in that neighborhood one time <laughs> on my way to Baltimore <laughs> Comic Con. Oh, my that's God. That's all I know, about, that's well, all I know like, about The Wire.
1: Were you terrified <laughs> or excited? Uh, a little
2: bit of both, actually. <laughs> Not going to lie. No, I was terrified. I was wearing a Detroit Tigers t-shirt in Baltimore. That Uh-oh. was
0: that's that's
1: much more reason to be terrified. Yeah. Oh yeah, no.
2: They they were madder they were more mad about that than um having no real good reason to pull us over in the first place.
1: You know the main export of Baltimore is murder. <laughs> 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 well No joke to not interrupt Brad's vamping, but Brad and me and Kellett and Chris almost got beat up by the Apple Dumpling Gang (laughs) in Baltimore. It was a fucking Disney bike gang complete with the German spike helmets. And they were just driving serpentine across sidewalks and hooting and hollering and throwing bottles of alcohol. And Brad can confirm that. (laughs) No, I can't. Yes, you can.
0: we were driving, there were some. I think
2: you had a dream that night.
0: <laughs> I don't remember the bottles of beer. But there were there were definitely motorcyclists <laughs> the, the, and, and, and we no sooner got away from that sphere of influence they had driven by and they were a good and, and two people came up and, and, and accosted uh, one of our group, I forget which one, and started asking them for money, asking our group for money. And I just said under my breath as I could, you could see them you know you could see them walking up Broad Street, as we say in Philly. They were so uh, they were so dirty they, they, they looked shiny. You know how you get that that dirty, they're that grubby that they actually reflected light, and uh, <laughs> I said under my breath, I because I knew you it, it, there was a certain level of street savviness there, and I said, uh, listen, no eye contact, just walk, no eye contact. So three of us made it past. One of us got stopped and actually started answering the question of would you give me money for the bus terminal we we and and it's always the same story I just need money for a bus I'm stranded and I need to get home and I'm like, come on, come on. And, and he's talking to him and talking to him and talking to him. And I'm like, Get but they need bus money. And they don't really need bus it money. It was
2: Kellett, wasn't it? I no,
0: it I, was Straub. I, I, I forget which one it was. It was Straub.
1: And okay. Brad's, mis- Brad's telling the story a little different. So the two co- this couple, and they did not look that disheveled, <laughs> walk up to us and say, and we're at a con, okay? So keep in mind that there's a lot of people walking around talking to each other. We're not that far from the convention. We're walking to uh, the harbor area for lunch. And this couple walks up, and fucking Brad's spider sets goes off immediately. (laughs) And they walk up and go, hey, excuse me. So being a human being, you go, yeah. And they go, listen, do you have $7? And we're all like, $7? And they go, we just need to get to a bus station. We need to find shelter. We moved here. And I look up, and Brad, everyone stopped. But Brad has left us. <laughs> Hands in pockets, eyes fixed on the ground, has left. And my fight or flight kicked in, and I went, run. He knows. Brad knows something. So I run up to Brad, and Brad goes, "Never, you never make eye contact. Ne- I mean, I couldn't even ask him, like, what the hell? I just walk up, and you, you never make eye contact. You never stop. And <laughs> meanwhile, I look back. And now Chris is just like gazing in their eyes like, you poor dears. And Dave is halfway between Chris and us going, well, uh, um, if, cause Dave's like, if I leave, Chris is alone, but if I don't want to stay because it's, it's knives and <laughs> knives. yeah. And he's, and then, but I, and I look at Brad and Brad goes, keep walking. And <laughs> almost in a, like, if they die, they're the weak of the herd. We, you know, keep <laughs> right. going. Leave them. But then we got the.
0: <laughs> that was more accurate than my telling. <laughs>
1: your, but your Brad birth. is like. Then Brad gave us the Hulk guys. When you're in a city like this, never make eye contact. Never stop. They always need seven dollars. I don't know why. It's always seven dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's and a
0: new one now on the train. There's a guy that comes on and, and sells homemade cookies. Oh. It's like oh my god I can't imagine anyone who actually buys that cookie and eats it.
2: Well, at least he's trying to, you know, like make, you know, make like some sort of thing oh. for for the money that he's getting. <laughs> but yeah, don't eat those. Don't eat them. I, <laughs> I don't chunk. buy cookies. Yeah,
1: still moving. I don't buy cookies from the cookie brigade at packs.
2: <laughs> right. <clears throat> if if I don't buy a cookie at a gas station, I'm probably not going to buy one from a guy that's trying to fill his <laughs> gas tank. Still we're
1: still we still have Brad's vamping bookmarked but there's this thing called the cookie brigade at pax Uh and they're fans and sometimes enforcers and what they do is they all kind of volunteer to make cookies at home and they sell cookies for like a dollar and then they go around go hey dollar for the cookie brigade and it's an honor system you assume that they're not just at the end of the day going (laughs) suckers and made you know a grand right but um you give them a dollar or whatever, and then and then you get cookies. And at the end, they turn it all over to Jamie at Child's Play and or Kristen, and then Child's Play gets a boost. But <laughs> <laughs> I have a weird OCD policy about I just don't eat food people bring me to cons. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't. I actually don't think that's very <laughs> OCD. I think that's kind of a, a healthy. Um,
1: so. Uh, <laughs> But occasionally when the cookie brigade brings a cookie that looks pretty good, or I know the person, I'll I'll pay. But what I've done is I will pay for the cookie and set it aside. Like, thank you so much, and save this for later. And then when they're gone, I throw it out, you know. (laughs) But one time, (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) a girl comes up and goes, cookie brigade? And I go, sure. And she goes, okay, great. Takes her big bag and goes, right on top of all my shit, oh. reaches into her goddamn Mary Poppins carpet bag <laughs> that is visibly making my brother tear. <laughs> <coughs> Goes right into the elbow, right? Oh. Oh. And just starts pulling shit out. Boom, <laughs> You know, purse, uh, a book, you know, right. uh, jewelry. And then, she pulls, out, yeah, <laughs> then she pulls out this baggie. <laughs> of what was once cookies, I thought it was a bag of <laughs>
2: breadcrumbs for birds,
1: <laughs> It would be like if someone took a piece Eat of cake. It would be like if someone took a piece of cake and put it in a baggie, and then went <laughs> wink, 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 to the yeah. baggie. Okay. So she takes it, and she sets it down, and she's like, this is my special recipe, and this is the best, (laughs) and (laughs) these are the best, I've been told these are the best cookies of the Cookie Brigade this year, and they're chocolate chip cookie dough, and she just sets this baggy-o batter in front of me, and I look at it, and (laughs) my brother looks at me like Brian is hiding nothing. Brian is looking at me like she put a dead rat in front of me. Uh huh. So I look at him, I look at the cookie, and I look up, and I can see on her face the fact that I have not hidden on my face how disgusted <laughs> I am. Right? She is already pissed. And her hands go on her hip, and I just, I don't know what to say, so I just go, No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And then she gets really mad, and she oh, no. starts like, like this is, you know, man, I worked really hard on these, and I said, you can keep the dollar. Like, I'll take, but I, you know, it's like she's standing there waiting for me to try it and go, mmm, this, right. this really is the best cookie I've, I've ever had. And I'm like, I'm not going to eat it, no. And then she gets, now she's, now she's angry, and she's like, well, I don't understand, why wouldn't you eat it? Right? Why would you do that? Why would you insult me like that? And I said, hey, look, you can't bring me a baggie full of mush <laughs> and say this is a cookie when I can yeah. clearly see it's not a cookie and then get pissed when I don't want to stick my hand in that. Yikes. And so <clears throat> all I remember is her leaving Uh-oh. and Chris turning to me and going, come on, man, she's trying to help the cookie. Br-. And I'm like, Christopher, look at this. Like I know I'm being an asshole, but come on, <laughs> you know I mean, what was what was my choice in this situation? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, you didn't want to
0: put that in your mouth. Now, Brad, no. you were going to vamp. Okay, sorry, that okay. was
1: rabbit
2: hole.
0: That well, uh, that it, it, and one of my own making because Bill Merrimau was the. <laughs> Uh, uh, the inspiration, in other words, he was the touchstone for the editor character in The Wire.
2: What
0: uh, at the time? Well, this is this. I, I don't. I don't know how much this has been confirmed, but let's say that there's a lot of similarities between his uh, time being the editor of the Baltimore Sun and his in uh, this character on The Wire. Bill Miramont was a real big shot in Philadelphia. One of these guys, you know, huge reporter, was a fantastic editor, and he went as far as he could do, as far as he could go at the Enquirer, and left to become the big guy, the editor in chief at the Baltimore Sun. And uh, during his time at the Baltimore Sun, uh, uh, there's a lot of similarities between what, what was going on there and the Wire. So a lot of people kind of feel like the editor character was based on Merrimau Merriman was brought back to the Inquirer. The Inquirer, like all newspapers, was having lots of troubles. And they thought, we're going to go back and bring this guy that was a superstar back. And he's going to lead us to a new age of, you know, golden age of Philadelphia newspapers. Which, of course, uh, never happened. And and it, not that he wasn't a great guy, but I think it was too big of a, of a problem for any one person to solve. So that's the Bill Merrimau story. He comes back to Philadelphia and he's in charge of the Enquirer. and uh, during this time the paper gets sold and resold several times. The, the most recent owners and the current owners, although they're trying to look for a buyer, is a group of Philadelphia business people and movers and shakers. There's one guy that's a very strong on the left thinker and there's one guy a very strong on the right thinker. And they're both, they both own the same company and they both uh, uh, bash heads all the time. So Merrimau gets fired. By one of the two main leaders of the company gets fired. Just that's it. You're out. Boom. And he refuses to go. Refuses to pack his shit. Stays in the office. He's the, the announcement goes out to the newspaper, Uh it, one of those standard, uh, this has been a great run, thank you Bill Marumau, but he's going to pursue other opportunities, and we're going to be naming a new editor-in-chief, and the next day he's in his office, and he's refusing to go. Uh-huh. He's simply t- <laughs> I will not back up his shit and leave. Wow. And a week goes by, two weeks goes by. And and so in the time that, that it takes for him to not leave, the other guy in charge of the, the company comes in and says, I never wanted Marimau to leave in the first place. I think he should stay. And that actually, that whole thing is a, a little bit behind the Seamus McCaffrey uh, uh, situation. So here's what it says at Philadelphia Mag. Philadelphia Inquirer editor Bill Merrimo used the paper to conduct a smear campaign against Philadelphia Supreme Court Justice Seamus McCaffrey and his wife, McCaffrey's lawyer said, in a civil complaint filed yesterday. Uh, Dion Razias opened his blisteringly worded 60-page broadside against the Inky and the Daily News, alleging they defamed McCaffrey and his wife, and cast them in a false light with an attack on their shared ownership, interstate general media. Philadelphia is unfortunately a one-horse town because both major daily newspapers are owned by the same entities. And that means that the defendants can write whatever they want, whenever they want to, and their publications can only be held in check by the legal system, Rossius wrote. Hmm. But on Wednesday, Maramo defended the paper and it's reporting said that it was fair and all that kind of stuff. The case however, is also about the Inquirer's fractured ownership and administration. Now, here's where it gets interesting. In the complaint, Rossius quotes from the November trial that restored Merrimau to his job at the Inquirer after his early firing by publisher Bob Hall. Questioning the trial suggested Hall thought the initial March 2013 story reporting that a rap apart McCaffrey's wife, mm-hmm. and chief judicial aide received fees for steering cases to personal injury firms. That story, they thought, was unworthy of the front page placement. The story quoted legal experts questioning the propriety of arrangements and eventually prompted both rule changes at the court and an FBI investigation of McCaffrey. So, that's the background to what, what they're talking about here. It, it all goes back to the fact that they've got two warring factions uh, that own the paper competing against each other. One side fires him. The other side rehires him. Uh, and as this is all going up, all these questions are coming up, up, up about this story that alleges that this Seamus McCaffrey, uh, the justice, his wife was involved in uh, uh, trafficking uh, more jobs to this law firm.
1: I love how he just didn't get fired because when they told him he was fired, he said no the same way my mom said no when we told her Liberace was gay. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as as defamation, here's what I've learned. The first thing you do is analyze the statement. Okay? So any defaming statement made orally or in speech over the radio or TV is slander. Anything in print is libel. So this would be libel. Uh now you have mm-hmm. to pr- now you have to determine if you can prove the statement was published. So is there proof that the statement was published? Obviously it's been in the paper, so there's proof it's been published. Now you have to make sure that the statement that was made, the defamatory defamatory statement that was made is actually false. Because if the statement is true, then you don't have grounds to sue. So I would assume this is where most of the legal fighting is going to be. Yeah. Over. Uh yeah. Now, in most cases, statements that can be construed as opinions aren't considered defamatory uh, because an opinion is subjective. But if if the guy said, I think that the judge is a jerk, that's an opinion. If you say, I think the judge took kickback money, that's not an opinion. That's a statement that can be proved as false. So um, Then the next thing you have to prove is if the statement was injurious. So in other words you have to show that the statement has harmed you in a concrete way. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, have you lost work? Did it give you a bad reputation? Is the public seeing you differently? So I'm sure that'll be another point of argument. Then you have to determine whether the statement was unprivileged. Because um, sometimes, even if you make a defamatory statement, if you're under a privileged situation, you can't be sued for it. In other words... A witness could falsely testify in court, but they can't be sued for slander because they're they're privileged under the auspice of the court, right? like they were f- subpoenaed to talk, so right and then uh yeah, then you gotta file the complaint uh so <clears throat> do we know if it was decided that this was going to court or just that he's filed the complaint? Uh, I think it's going to court.
0: Let me just, let me, uh, a judge. scroll down here. Yeah, they, they tend to do that kind of stuff. Hmm. Uh, let's so see. So far, I can... it's just been
1: a, a suit filed. Okay. As of t- yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, a cartoonist is named in the suit. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm really going to be following this with interest because, I mean, not a lot of, uh, cartoonists these days that aren't editorial cartoonists really talk about public figures, but, um, crazier things have happened, you know? I mean, wow. uh, you never know. You just never know.
0: That it, 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 it's just to me, I, I'm looking at the cartoon again, and I'm wondering what they could pull out, like to prove whether a statement was true or false.
1: Well, the it, cartoon it, don't, don't think that the whole Court cases hinging on the cartoon he's just kind of named as oh, and this guy too he jumped in
0: yeah yeah that's that's but that's I did be watch
1: I did watch um the documentary on Netflix uh about herblock. How was that? I was upset with it at first until I did a little more research, and I think that the the documentarians uh-huh. could have put one line at the beginning um to assuade people's fears, but um, it's a it's a documentary about this editorial cartoonist. very fascinating. The thing I found most fascinating was how affected political figures are by being portrayed in cartoons like they, mm. they, it's, it's a thing they don't ignore it yeah. they're aware of it. Um, but the thing starts off with. Herblock in his studio drawing and, you know, spouting out some ideas and wisdom about not just cartooning, but about a democracy and journalism, which is interesting because the thing was filmed years after his death. Hmm. And so how did how'd they get those comments? It's an actor. No. It's an actor. It's an actor pretending to be Herblock. Hmm. Now, I looked it up, <clears throat> and everything the actor said, <clears throat> everything scripted, is based off of speeches he gave and things that he wrote. So they are his words.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. kind of a reenactment.
1: Yeah. Do they label it as such? No. And the funny That's... thing, Uh-oh. not that I saw, I might have missed it, but like at the end, hmm. they do. At the end, it says Herblock played by you know. Ira well, I see. Glassman or whatever his name was. But like um, throughout the documentary, they keep showing pictures of Herb and it ain't that guy talking. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? Is this an actor? I mean, it took me out of the movie every time they cut back to him because I'm like, I don't give a shit what this fucking actor is. It's like it's a, it's a role of a lifetime instead of to a cartoonist. The best part <sighs> is that he, he had this modest little home you know, mm-hmm. and he would come into the paper every day and he just eat this lunch, this little lunch in the commissary or whatever. <laughs> and he just went home. He was there late all the time. And the summers he would go to the, this beach community. But when he died, he had millions. Wow.
0: <laughs> well, that's, I, I guess, he if had you're millions black, that's And people.
1: Be- and it's because when the paper first started, hmm. it was struggling. And the guy that owned the paper was like, "Can you guys buy stock in the p-? and All the employees buy stock in the paper to try to boost it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did. He he bought a ton of stock. <laughs> he bought a bunch of that's, stock.
2: That's what happened in Columbus with Billy Ireland. That's why the Cartoon Library is named after him and his family because they did the same thing. He was he bought so much stock in the Columbus Dispatch that he's you know his family is they're just millionaires now.
1: Yeah, and he and, set up a. Fund.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Herblock Foundation. Yeah. Yeah,
1: the Herblock Foundation. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. It was great. It was really. That's,
0: f- that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Now I almost want to watch the documentary just so I can see this actor.
1: You know, it's it's um it's not a very good documentary in the sense that I think that I'm biased because as a cartoonist, the one thing I hate is when people ask me to tell them what the strip I'm working on is. Like, read me the strip. You know, no, no, i You know, and it's just a bunch of people, it's a bunch of um, newscasters, political figures, and celebrities just holding up a cartoon and going, "Look at this one." I mean, look at the <laughs> elephant. I mean, look at look at this guy just dripping in oil. I mean, a really exp- and you're like, we. I see the comic. I get it. I got yeah. <laughs>
0: That's actually a mark of a good cartoonist is you don't need a guy yeah. standing there pointing at it saying, and, right. and did you notice this?
2: Right. Did you see the bed? It's labeled bed. Did you see that?
1: <laughs> I mean, in this Have one not. image, you can just, uh, I mean, the way that uh, the bag's under Nixon's eyes always showing him tired <laughs> and disheveled and, and, his, and, uh, and, uh, and the way he's struggling, and you're like, yeah, I see it. I see the comic. It, it's right there. <laughs> but they're literally sitting in the interviewer chair Holding, like on a piece of black uh, <laughs> foam core, this printed out editorial cartoon. Oh God! Just looking at it, going. <laughs> look at this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just look at it. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, just, come on. Look at that. It, you know what it does? It makes you appreciate how amazing and how much work that uh, Dave and Fred put in a strip, because now we have, I, I, including this one, which I haven't seen, but I'll take your word for it that it's pretty horrible. That and two other documentaries that I've seen in the last six months on the topic, and they're horrible. Yeah, And it makes you really appreciate what it must take to do a fantastic documentary on on something that, let's face it, comic strips and comics, it... it, it it, it's exactly that problem. You, if you don't have somebody holding it up and saying, "Just look at this and notice this and notice," <laughs> that, I think it helps. You just put a comic up and 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 <clears throat> stay silent
2: for a couple minutes, and it's and it's. No, oh, yeah. it's not. It's not that bad. But
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I know
2: what you mean though. It's it's just kind of jarring when when they're sort of pointing at things and <laughs> not letting you just kind of absorb it. Well, you say it's a comic. It takes what three seconds to read it. Just. Let the film go for three seconds and let the people read.
1: it. Well, I mean, the, you see it; they show it, but then it cuts to like you know Tom Brokaw going. You can see the <laughs> the weight, <laughs> the way that he draws Nixon crouched over. Uh, he really, he really put. Uh, you don't know, look happy here. I feel like happy. I feel like Herb Locke had put <laughs> that weight onto Nixon's shoulders in oh, this comic. Wow, oh, I'm God. Tom Brokaw. Yeah.
0: Tom Yeah, and and I'm sure he's doing that that heavy news announcer delivery cuz those guys can't talk in any other fashion. Right. Well,
1: that was his voice. I'm not going to get mad at the guy for his voice, but it's like <laughs> can you say yeah. something other than it's, it's, it's uh, black ink on white paper and uh <laughs>
2: look at the cross-hatching there. That, uh, yeah, that. well yeah, other it's just
1: that. that I that's actually I think that's actually there the cross-hatching and the and the and the ink Used. There was clearly some ink being used here.
2: Clearly, India ink. I believe <laughs> it was
1: India ink. I'm not sure. I, I think this, is, came I think this is a. It from. I think this is I think this is a vellum Bristol. I don't feel any tooth to it. uh Definitely cold pressed. I think. It, pressed. I think that's cold what pressed. helped strip so much is that it was made by a cartoonist.
2: Yes, yeah. absolutely. I think that did, did help, and Fred is a is a is a lover of of the art form as well. He's
1: a very passionate guy. So Fred's all right, I guess. He's okay. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I've never seen a man more terrified of a peanut. A peanut? What? He is.
2: Um, oh, he has the peanut thing.
1: He has a very very bad peanut allergy, and when he came out to film us, we went to uh, the original Pancake House. Okay. Mm. And he was talking about how David has tried to poison him. I think it was David or one of his friends. Has tried to kill him like three times with peanuts. Accidentally? Yeah, accidentally. Just forgetting. I mean, Dave is kind of, you know. But he was like visibly twitchy about, is there, like, just just terrified of everything. There might be a peanut in it. Wow. Mm. Fred, I I think it was just talking about it that got him really Mm. scared. And now he's thinking about it. Now... It's like when you watch a TV show where dust is being blown towards the camera, your <laughs> eyes automatically squint. Yes, yes. Sure. Sure. It's like now everything has a peanut in it. And he was just sense, like, sense okay, memory. we got to get out of here. I'm very nervous. I just died. Everything's got peanuts. <laughs> Everything's dusted in peanut. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's gotta be tough to have that kind of an
0: allergy though, because it's one of those things that you don't realize. It, it, even if, Something is made in the same place that peanuts are in.
1: Sure. It's
0: it yeah. on. It's, it's, it's right, scary.
1: Right. Well, I remember saying to him, I remember saying, wow, you're really. And he's like, yeah, I will die. And then I'm like, Whoa. do you have one of those? Uh, and he goes, EpiPens? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have one. Two. at all times. One, one in each pocket. I'm scared all the time, <laughs> oh, poor Fred. All
2: right, we got to stop talking about Fred.
1: No, Fred is great, we but it just—it made me. I was Fred. scared by the end of it. Right.
2: No, it's scary. I, I met a guy that said that if he was on a, he couldn't even fly in an airplane that served peanuts because <gasps> if if somebody opened a pack, oh it
1: would get God. into the air. Yeah, right? no, it will. Yeah,
2: well, he, he was actually saying like that's the reason he, he was um. Uh, a guy we met in France, and he's like, "I haven't left France," and he wasn't even from France. No, I'm just kidding. He was, <laughs> uh, but he's like, "I haven't, I haven't left in so long because I, I'm afraid if I get on a plane, somebody's going to open a packet of peanuts." It's not even that it would get in the food. It's like, you know, like could
0: he, could he put one of those masks on his on his mouth? I, I wonder.
2: No, I don't. Maybe I guess maybe he'd have to yeah, or just a, wear one of those little, not the not the actual ventilator masks, but. But, yeah, yeah like,
1: but yeah, but like even yeah, if even want, if yeah. the plane, even if he asked the yes. pl- and the airline was like, we assure you, our planes <laughs> have pretzels. We only serve pretzels. Then you know, fucking Gus and Ten C, right? You're gonna, get, you're gonna echo uh, Scott. Uh oh. Uh oh. You know what? Is it? Is it me? Uh, it might it might mean it's time that to be done recording. <laughs> That's oh, that's our sign from
0: God. Because I've got a great Fred Schroeder story. We'll save that for another time. We'll tell oh, it. Excellent. Do you know the story I'm going to tell, Scott?
1: No. Oh. Okay. Hold on a second. You're wearing a headset, right, Steve?
2: No, I'm not. Oh, Jesus
1: Christ, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to be on the show again. That's That was my plan. Turn your volume down just a little. Okay. There it goes. Okay. Now go with your story Brad so it's San Diego Comic Con a couple
0: of two three years ago Dave and I are exhibiting together and I hadn't met Fred and this guy comes up to me who I later found out was Fred and he says oh you're Brad Geiger I like your comic and of course that's a great way to start with me and so I'm engaging him and talking to him and so on and so forth and he says you know I'm a a cartoonist I'd really love it if you would look at my stuff And I said, sure, no problem. I'll take a look at it. He brings out this little small packet of papers, and in it are the most ridiculously over-the-top, by the way, not, not great drawn, but the most offensive comics that you could ever imagine.
1: What do you mean uh, offensive? Uh, like uh, badly uh, drawn or like no, no,
0: the content offensive.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Like <laughs>
0: just just stuff that made my 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 fingers curl. Oh I'm, no I'm holding it my hands are shaking and this guy has been the nicest guy. He's he's a fan of my work. He's 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 genuine he said oh I like this storyline I like that story I want to be nice to this guy. And he 's handed me a packet of cartoons that, if I showed you, you would wash your hands later they They were that despicable. I mean they were over the top horrible, offensive to the ninth degree and and he 's looking at me, and he's and, and my face is down, and i'm I 'm like, what am I going to say to this guy? i can 't tell him that I like his work and i and and I don 't want to hurt his feelings because he 's the nicest guy that's been up here you know all day. And I slowly look up at him, and I realize that he's got this shit-eating grin on his face, and behind him is Gloria, Dave's wife, and a couple other people, Uh, and they're uh, all uh, smiling (laughs) at me. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. And Dave says, I want you to meet Fred Schroeder. (laughs) Where did he get the cartoons? Did he make them? What's, oh, yeah. They, they, he scribbled them out on some typewriter paper uh, before <laughs> because they planned this in, in advance.
1: Oh, my God. That they were
0: going to they, they put me on the spot and be the nicest person who has the most horrible cartoons.
1: <laughs> and then they're like, <laughs> would you like to be in our movie? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, but that's how I met Fred Schroeder.
1: <laughs> that's a great story. That is a great, great story. Yeah. God, we could do a whole show just on these con. Oh, man. oh, I know. We should.
2: I've got some doozies.
1: <laughs> I've got one. I don't even know if I can tell. I think I might have told it on Webcomics <laughs> Weekly once. What's the overview? Just the one where that girl kept coming by every single day to buy something new. Like, oh. my brother, it was a San Diego, my brother, one of the San Diegos where my brother was there. And, like, day one, she comes by, and she's like, oh, big fan. And, you know, it's one of those situations where um, you kind of remember the person from the previous year. They definitely remember you. Yeah. And then then they have a thing that, obviously, that you did last year that you promised (laughs) would be a thing. Now you don't remember. So it's like, I came for my hug. And you're like, um, (laughs) okay. So... She's like, oh, we, I came for my hug. And I'm like, all right. And then I think, well, all right. Last year, we must have done a hug thing, right? Yeah. So we give her a big hug. And she's like, oh, I come by, you know, I come by every year. I got to gotta come by and get my book. What's the new book? Oh, this is our new book. So the next day, she comes by. And she's like, you know what it dawned on me yesterday? Um, <laughs> I didn't have the previous book either. So uh, big hug. And I'll get this book, too. So then... That's Thursday. Now Friday, she comes by and she goes. I can't remember if I have a plush or not, so I'm gonna get a plush. <laughs> so big hug gets a plush. Now on Saturday she comes by.
2: She just started charging for the hug.
1: <clears throat> so on Saturday she comes by. Now keep in mind that on Wednesday through Friday, she's in con gear, right? She's in a t-shirt, shorts, and she's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Yeah. On Saturday, she shows up in a sundress, all made up, no wheelchair. Oh, and my brother really? goes, hey, <laughs> you're, you're, st- you're standing. And she goes, oh, yeah, I, my leg isn't broken or anything. It's just kind of sprained. And the doctor told me to stay off of it and advised if I was going to come to the con. I should, you know, wheel myself around for most of it. But, you know, it's okay for one day for me to walk around, and I decided it would be today. And then she looks at me, and she goes, can I can I come in and ask you a question? And I go, uh, sure. So she comes in, she goes, um, I hope this doesn't sound too forward, but if later tonight you would like to go get some drinks, I would love to go get drinks with you. <clears throat> I turn to Brian, and Brian just puts his head in a book. Thank <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. So I say, Brian checks out. Yeah, He's Brian just like, totally cool, I'm, I'm, checks out. I'm not out. here. So I assume she's asking me out, right? And I say, uh, oh man, um, I, uh, I don't know what to say. Uh I uh, no, I said actually, I had. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the story. I actually had an out because that night we were getting together with some people for go... I actually have a business meeting tonight, so I cannot. And she goes, well, what about tomorrow? And I said, you know, San Diego is such a weird beast. You never know what your day is going to hold. I could say yes to you. And then sometime during the day tomorrow, someone shows up and says, we need this thing, and he wants to meet you, and can you get together tonight? And then I can't go. So you might as well just ask me tomorrow, closer to the close of con. And she goes, look. If you don't want to go out with me, you can just say so. You don't have to make up an excuse. Oh, no. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I just don't know what to say. I'm married. I've been married for, you know, 15 years at the time. And uh, I just, this never happens to me. And she recoils back like I held smelling salts underneath in her nose. And she goes, I don't want to fuck you. Whoa. And Jeez. I went, no, I, no, of course not. I'm not suggesting. I would love to have drinks. You're just asking socially for drinks. And, and that's exactly what I thought. And, and why don't you give me your number and I'll give you a call and let you know. Oh, no. So she nope. hands me her card and it's. It says her name was something that was like, I can fix your problems or something. I go, This is pretty vague. And she goes, Oh, I'm a professional organizer. You know, like I come in and I organize your business or whatever. And I go, And I go, I could really use some organizing myself. And then yeah. I went, But, you know, not so bad that I would need to hire somebody <laughs> like immediately. So she leaves. I turn to my brother. And Brian goes, she totally wanted to fuck you. I'm like <laughs> what just happened? And he oh. says, I think she was trying to ask you out. I think. And then when it kind of went sour, she just bailed. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. yeah.
2: I mean, there's no there's no way. That's the kind of the only way that she would have out to <laughs> save yeah. face.
1: But but it was just bro, bro. I'm like, well, thanks for the help. And he goes, Oh man, I knew when she walked up in the dress. I was not. I was out. <laughs> You're on your I'm own. Tapping out. Yeah, just tapped out. Oh my wow. god!
0: Yeah, that has never ever happened to me. It's only like, happened to me that one time. I don't get hit on at cons, and 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 I mean, I guess I'm happy for it. but I don't know that it we- also makes me wonder if maybe I'm if if, if maybe I'm just not good enough.
1: Well, Brad, no, I don't know that it's confirmed that I was hit on at that con. Oh, you were hit on. I don't know. I she whiz. She whiz? <laughs> Are we recording this in the fifties? Golly. Well, she was a swell gal. And I hope she's <laughs> she For all I know, she just wanted to go out for a phosphate. <laughs> Go to the, just go to Main Street, and and uh, the soda a,
2: jerk. What do they call
1: it? Go to the soda jerk and sip a phosphate in the town gazebo.
2: <laughs> the gazebo, it went back to Downton Abbey. It <sighs> went farther.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she brought. I I was delivered a, a mimeograph. <laughs>
0: I, I I'm, I'm gonna try to change the subject. I love the way mimeographs smell when I was a kid. Do you?
1: I never had a sense of smell, but I've been told oh. they're awesome. Oh God! Yeah, a lot of people I know were like, <laughs> go that was one of the off. best
0: smells at school."
1: I had a friend that liked to work in the office because um, it was a like an elective thing you could do to work in the office, and only the only the nerdiest ass kissers wanted to work right because you're in there with the wardens of the high school yeah but one guy did it just because he liked to smell the mimeographs that's <laughs> <laughs> huh? a real story too that's a true story
0: steve what's your con story You yeah. said um, a couple
2: i can't i have i have a couple but um probably my favorite is um a guy came up and um asked for a, you know people come up and ask you to sketch in their sketchbooks um <gasps> And he came up, and he had this really long. He was clear. This was back when I was self-publishing Fish and Chips, like probably two thousand one, two thousand two, and I was at Pittsburgh Comic Con, back when it was a good con. Yeah. Um, and this guy comes up, and he's clearly he bought all my comics, and he's clearly you know interested in it. And Fish and Chips is technically an anthropomorphic comic, right? You know, it's it's a fish in a robot body, and it's a cat right. that walks on two legs, et cetera. So this guy says he has this like long explanation of not explanation, but he, he kind of has this roundabout speech about fur, people that like furry comics. And what were my thoughts on it? And did I, you know, did I have any bias for or against? And I was kind of like, what is um, and I was like, well, you know, it's kind of it's a little, it's not my thing, but you know, I'm cool with people that, you know, like comics, you know, anthropomorphic comics and i obviously do you know i'm interested in in that to some degree but not really the furry thing blah blah blah, and it was totally like one of the situations where he's like i have a friend who likes furry comics and it was like clearly not a friend it was him right 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 so i'm just like oh boy this is this is going weird so he's he's like and he's gras- he's holding on to his sketchbook like with like white knuckles like r- he wants to give me a sketchbook and he's basically like I'm basically like uh, passing a test <laughs> to to get the sketchbook yeah and I don't know why so he says well I would really like a, a sketch if you could sketch I'll come back later just go ahead and take your time and and whatever I was like okay and this guy was g- really nice really nice not not maybe not the most socially advanced guy I'd ever met but he was he was genuine and he was nice. And uh, if he's listening. Uh, ah. Anyway, he hands me a sketchbook, and my cousin and I are, are standing by in the booth, and I'm like, that was kind of a lot, you know, to, to get a sketchbook. You know, usually it's like, hey, can you sketch my sketchbook? And then they just leave. But the, so I open up this sketchbook, and it was, it was like the real version of your Fred Schroeder story. It was like <laughs> the porn that was in that book, the furry porn that other people had drawn for this guy was. Unbelievable! Like I, I I still to this day have never seen anything so offensive. But it was real. I mean, it was this was the stuff that this guy loved, and I was just (laughs) flipping through. I think he even opened it to a page like a blank page, kind of like insinuating in a passive way, like "Don't look through the rest of it." You like? Yeah. Because I had already sort of established that I wasn't a furry myself, so. I flip to the back of the book, right, after being sort of floored by the the disgust that was in this book. And I look at my cousin. And I'm like, do you think he expects me to do, like follow suit? Like, the, you know, some people have themes <laughs> for sketchbooks. <laughs> like, I want your character as Green Lantern. Can you do that? It's like, well, I'm not going to do my characters doing stuff to each other if that's what you're asking. Yeah. So I basically just drew this so so <laughs> innocent like little fish <laughs> smiling, saying thanks for buying <laughs> <laughs> uh, And this, I was just like, "Oh god, really I hope this is joking. I hope this guy is okay with that because oh." And I was seriously, I was sweating. I was like, "This is <laughs> so this
1: his, is so." Far. His sketchbook goes dogs, <laughs> fucking cats, <laughs> fucking bears, fucking hi. Else. Oh, <laughs> exactly, dude. And as soon I as
0: mean, we were done, he took it to the other side of the convention hall and had somebody else draw a horse penis on it.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. So anyway, that's that's one I, one of many, but that was one of my favorite because... I, you know, I, you do that so often. There are certain things, there, there are kind of tropes in uh, in setting up at a, at a convention, especially in like Artist Alley. Like lots of people will come by and bring their sketchbooks and, you know, lots of them have themes and, and you know, lots, lots of times they just leave them for you to, you know, do a sketch. And it's oh, actually it. one of the kind of a fun thing to do. And that was the one time that I regretted taking that guy's sketchbook. So
0: Okay, so here's one, but it's on me. All right. Because I I don't know whether this is I don't know whether this would have bothered you guys, so I, I it, maybe maybe it's just on me for being a grump. So I'm at a convention and it is what was that one Katsukan before Katsukan changed. So it's kind of an anime convention. I guess that's important to the story too. Yeah, and I'm at this anime convention and oh, you, that's when
1: you and and Chris and them went to that one. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. <laughs>
0: we'll I, I don't think I've heard this. Thing. So I, I'm sitting there, and nobody is stopping by my booth. I mean, it 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 is full of young 15-year-olds whom, whose moms had stopped them off with just enough money for, you know, Pocky and, you know, maybe maybe one small Yaoi Digest, and that's it. And nobody's stopping, and I am... Just, I'm, I always bring a little something, you know, I, I, I've i got my sketchbook out and I'm doing some writing, so I figure out at least I can use this time and and write ahead a little bit. And this 15, 16-year-old girl comes up and she says, now, now tell me if this is the sentence you don't want to hear when you're at a lull in a convention. I feel so sorry for you. Nobody is coming up to see you. <laughs> And I'm I I, I I do the between gritted teeth smile and I'm like, Yeah, well, that happens sometimes. I you know, I, I'm having a good time anyway. Great show. Enjoy your day, have a good one, bye-bye. And she says, No, I'm going to keep you company. No one else is keeping you company in this entire convention, and I'm going to. And I said, That's that's really not necessary. I'm enjoying myself. It's a great day. Enjoy your show. And she steps back behind now this this show wasn't set up great in my opinion because all none of the tables touched so uh, a, a fan or a reader could easily step behind your table and, oh, no. and and often did and then hang out you know where you got your money you got your stuff or hmm. just like loom over your shoulder while you Ugh. drew that happened a lot too you a back rub whatever she, oh, well again I never had that. Scott's got all those stories, so (laughs) I—I'm teasing you. So she grabs a chair and sits down, and she says, "Oh, you've got a sketchbook!" And before I can stop her, she grabs my sketchbook, opens it up to a blank page, and starts drawing. What? What? in my okay, thank God I'm not alone here. In my sketchbook, she starts drawing.
2: That's what you were wondering if it's In inappropriate. My of course, that's appropriate. She
0: starts drawing, and I'm like, it, 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 but I but I, I, I couldn't bring myself to say anything. But I'm like, oh, you really don't need. Oh no, no. She says, I'm going to do a sketch for you, and she proceeds to do you know a horrible, ham-handed anime, big-eyed, pointy-lipped anime person, and finally, I'm like, okay, thank you for your sketch. I really, I I think I might take a break now. I'm going to go see if somebody can watch my table. Thanks. And and finally got rid of her. But I sat there and stewed because now I've got two choices. I can either defame my own book by ripping a page out of it and dealing with that, which is going to set my OCD off, or I'm going to have for the rest of my life, a sketchbook with this one page in it that Completely does not belong, which is also going to set my OCD Right. So I sat there and twitched
2: for the next hour and a half. Oh, <laughs> uh, seriously, we should do a whole show of I have because I bet I Corey know. has some amazing. I want Corey on on that one.
1: I have a, I, Angie has a story about them. Steve. She'll really? never tell it, so I can tell it. Wait, who? <laughs> my wife has a con story about you.
2: Oh, the, the the Jeff Smith uh, Bone line? Yeah! <laughs> oh, my God. That's one of my stories, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Angie goes to wait in line to get something signed by Jeff, because she's a huge fan of Bone. Mine, particularly. And uh, Steve's like, what are you doing in line? No, 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 no. Step out. I'll make sure you see Jeff. You don't have to wait in line. Right, I was trying, and then they proceed to stand there and wait for a moment where Steve can interject.
2: It was like twenty-five minutes. It was long.
1: And Angie's watching her spot where she would have been in line get closer and closer. closer. The
2: spot where she was standing was ten minutes from Jeff.
1: I, I totally.
2: There's no other way to say I screwed. That situation <laughs> screwed it right to the wall man
1: <laughs> and then angie's like well i'd be talking to jeff now i got another <laughs> 10 minutes
2: scott another one of my stories which i won't get into the whole thing but there was a th- that same year was the year that we had the 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 bone costume <sighs> you know, phone bone costume and i've got a whole i'll save that one because that one's crazy um but that was the same year as that and I, it's needless to say i was like pulled at many many angles th- at that moment and i i saw angie and it was like I, it was kind of like a weird like I, like i felt like the day was just going to shit like i was just <laughs> I'm i gonna needed to fix this. i needed to like do something good and i, I thought, needed a oh win. there's angie i'm just going to pull her out of line and and have jeff you know get so that she could get back to the booth cuz i knew that you know you probably <laughs> Need her at the booth or whatever. Whatever went through my head at that moment. I was just like, I'm going to fix this situation. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Oh, I was embarrassed beyond funny. belief. She was amazing. And we were basically, you know, she was making fun of me in real time as it was happening.
1: So. <laughs> that sounds it like was, her. It was
2: definitely not like a situation where, I, you know, I found out later she was mad. She was no. mad at my face.
1: No, no. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I was just like shaking my head like hand uh, slapped to
1: forehead. M- oh. You should have just monkey danced out. I, I, I actually <laughs> <did>. <laughs> that's how we met Steve, I think. Is that San Diego, right?
2: Yeah, but I met you probably before that. But yeah, that that was a that's another hilarious story. The monkey dance was a a, a way for me to to just hilariously get away from someone's table you know that you guys know the there's sort of like the booth barnacle idea at cons where you know you sometimes you don't mean to but maybe you go up to somebody at a booth and you're you're chatting with them they're friends of yours i you know whenever i see any of you guys at a con i like to go up and say you know if i'm not at the booth at the time i like to go up and just chat you guys up for five or ten minutes but some some people you know linger uh, and stay long longer than they should, and then you know you got actual customers that are blocked, and you can't actually do your business, and right. it makes it difficult. But it's so it's kind of an awkward thing because you don't want to tell somebody that you're a friend friend of to leave your booth. Um, so my way of just you know transitioning away without making it awkward was to do a monkey dance, which we probably have to do like a video podcast to actually. Just, the, a, that,
1: just so he just it was this weird noodle arm. Like he's he in the 1920s. Dance, he was ir- talking to us. It was He came into to the booth. We had a nice 10-minute chat, and then he goes, okay. Monkey dance out. Monkey dance out. And he just sidesteps around and the corner. <laughs> and, and all that's left is
2: a cloud of laughter, so that's good. <laughs> I like being ushered off with laughter and not just like, oh, I hope he doesn't come back. You know? Oh, my God.
0: Okay. I, I, I'm really – I'm letting – I, I – I, I, know, I don't think I've told anybody this. Do you guys do this as well? Do you guys feel the need to leave... You can't leave a phone call until you made them laugh, and then you got to get out? What? I, I, I got this thing where if I'm on a phone call, or, yes. or even a, a personal conversation, mm. I feel pressure to end it on a laugh.
1: But then if they stay in, on the
0: phone, I yeah. get pissed off because I just made them laugh and I was going to hang up... <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta make him laugh again. <laughs> and it's okay, like, that's you the, son that's of a bitch! Strange. I just made you laugh. This was the end of the conversation. I was supposed to hang up, and you stayed on the phone. And then, and then you, and then you gotta make him laugh again. Right. Okay.
1: right. I don't do the make him laugh thing, but I definitely have the. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna right. go. And then hard. someone goes, yeah. Anyway, so, um, and you're like, I just gave you the yawn. I just said the whelp. I said whelp, and I whelp. then stretched. That's why I, I I don't remember who who it is right now. But I have a friend. And when he's done talking, he's just like goodbye. <laughs> he hangs up, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so refreshing. Yeah, that's the best. I'm done talking now.
0: But we're never completely done talking here at Surviving Creativity. I just wanted to remind you, survivingcreativity.com. Go now. Be a Patreon supporter. Keep this podcast going. And whether you're a supporter or not, you can go to the activities link at the top of the page and listen to all of the back issues of this podcast. There's some great stuff there. I want to thank our special guest this week, Steve Hamaker. And for myself, my co-hosts, Scott Kurtz and Corey Cassoni, we'll see you again real soon.